welcome to our Victory Outreach Chino podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. Celebrating the birth of our Savior in this time that we're in. But I also want us to end strong, but I also want us to enter stronger into the new year. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. As we approach this new year, I'm looking to see more Pauls and Timothys rise up. I started out as a Timothy, a Timothy, and I still am a Timothy. But I'm more of a Paul than I am a Timothy these days. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. Say faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word you've given me. I pray that you minister to every single person in this room today, from the pastors to the leaders to the workers to the new members to those that are visiting and those that are watching. I pray you minister through me. Use me as your vessel to charge us into this new year. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Tell the person next to you, say, be strong. You may be seated. Let's finish strong. When people enter the holiday season sometimes, Christmas season, some people get more depressed than excited. Some people struggle with anxiety issues. They struggle with depression, anxiety, like how am I going to pay for all these presents? How am I going to take care of my family? And now our family's grown to like, I don't know, over 30-something people now, Kim. Our entire, from my parents all the way down. Like, well, I, don't, I can't afford all them. <laughs> Get some baskets. Here you go. <laughs> it's growing too much. <laughs> but we see that in these times that we're living in, we got to be strong. We got to be strong when we're facing opposition. We got to be strong in this world, this chaotic world. We got to be strong knowing that there's wars and rumors of wars, but we don't have to panic. We don't have to fear because God is right with us. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're pilgrims passing through. We're aliens in this world because we're part of the kingdom. Can I hear an amen from somebody? So here we see that in the context, this is written to Timothy. Paul writes to him, his spiritual son, and I love that he uses the term son, in the faith in a time where Timothy was pastoring one of the largest churches of that time. And Jesus uh, had his mother in there. His mother was part of that church. Jesus, you know, of course, he was in heaven at this point. And Timothy had the honor and privilege to minister with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and also John, the disciples, and others who walked with Jesus. Now, that could be intimidating. As a young pastor, having people that literally walked with Jesus physically, and the mother of Jesus, it reminds me when I took over the church, I had all these, you know, elders, pastor, you know, pastor Saul, my mom, my dad, sitting in the front row, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm pastoring them now? A little nerve-wracking. Then I'd have some people criticize me. Uh, they criticized me in my sermons. They criticized me on this or that. But I had to be strong. I had to be strong. And Timothy was a young pastor, and Paul is encouraging him. He says, "Be strong, not in his own strength, but in the grace that is in Christ Jesus." There's a difference between courage or confidence and self-confidence. Some people are self-confident, but they're not God-confident. When you're in the grace of Jesus, it doesn't come across cocky, proud, or arrogant. 
You ever been around somebody like that? They, they think they have it all together. They walk with their head up, chest out. They think they got it all down. But really, they're walking in pride. And pride stinketh. It smells up the room. It smells up the pulpit. If they're in the pulpit, it just is horrible. God despises the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Go ahead and clap for that. Even if you're prideful, go ahead and clap. It was in a time of persecution that this letter was written. When Nero was killing and persecuting Christians, ministry was not for the faint of heart, but for those who could stand strong in the grace and power of Jesus to pass on the faith. And Paul was challenging him. And letting it, Paul could trust, this is a beautiful thing, Paul could trust Timothy in the ministry. Another pastor's talked about, I can't, I can't trust anyone else. In Philippians chapter 2, it talks about that. I can trust him. He's been proven. He has character because he had seen great qualities in Timothy, in Timothy's life. And similarly, every disciple should allow the Lord to so challenge his heart or her heart and their spirit that they too would exemplify the same qualities. What type of qualities are we talking about? We're, talk, we're talking about the qualities of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The love, the joy, the peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, self-control. All the, I don't know if I hit all nine, but I, I think I got close. But he wants us to walk in character. And Timothy exemplified that character. He was a proven character. He had faithful. He was faithful. He was caring. He was loving. He was a son. Now, in a Paul-Timothy relationship, it's two-sided. In other words, it's two-way street. The Timothy has to be one, be hungry, and the Paul has to be having the goods to give it to him. It, it, it's a relationship. It's not a force. It's not like you're under me, brother, and you got to submit to me and this and just commanding. No, it's a loving relationship, and then you can be able to give orders. Then you're able to give guidance because they trust you with their life. So Timothy was hungry to learn and grow. Some people are too prideful, and they stay stuck for years. They've been saved 30 years maybe, but they're still a spiritual infant. Because they never learned how to walk right. They never learned how to get off the milk, Simulac milk, whatever type of milk they choose, almond milk. They didn't get off the milk and start getting more into the Lord, into the deeper waters in the things of God. Because they didn't choose to allow a Paul to come into their life. They reject it because they don't want to be controlled, they call it, controlled, or I don't want to have to, you know, listen, humble thyself before the Lord, and he will exalt you in due time. Give the Lord praise. See, Paul challenges Timothy and illustrates through the example, and he, he gives them different names. If you look at throughout the passages, he gives them names. I love these labels. How many of you have labels on you? What I mean by that? That you're known for some things. Positive. How many negative names you have? Tonto, stupido, rata, zapata. Chango. My mom used to call me Chango Fea when she got mad at me. I, I go, what's a Chango? What's a Fea? Finally, somebody in the home told me, ugly monkey. You're an ugly monkey. I got over it. But Paul gives names to Timothy, and I love the names that he gives. He, says, he calls him a son. He calls him 
a teacher. He calls him a soldier. He calls him an athlete. He calls him a farmer. He calls him a workman. He calls him a vessel. He calls him a man of God. He calls him a seeker and a servant. Amongst other things, maybe I didn't find, but those are the names I found. And it's beautiful to have those names attached to you. That you are faithful. That you are loyal. That you could be proven. That you could be dependent upon. That you're not going to drop the ball when it's given to you. You're not going to just put it on the shelf, but you're going to run the race with endurance till the end. We're going to finish strong. Somebody say finish strong. Paul had faced hardships and difficulties. If you read about Paul, there's so many things he faced in ministry. At certain times, he was deserted. And other times, felt a lack of support and assistance. And he knew the difficult times and challenges that Timothy would also face. Not only can ministry be hard, but life itself is filled with challenges. And here Paul charges Timothy to not only be strong, but to commit these things to faithful men. I want you to look here uh, before, actually, I'm going to go to that in a minute. But when you commit these things, that's the second thing I'm bringing out. So be strong and now we commit. Commit these things. That word commit, I did a study on the word commit. The word commit here is it's the key. It's the key to building long-lasting relationships. In the Greek, the word is parathal, meaning alongside and carries the idea of a close relationship, having a close relationship. So the close relationship that Paul had with Timothy, now he's saying, you commit yourself to other men of the like. And so it goes on to describe this word as emphatically, emphatically pictures two or more people who stand side by side, who are mentally, spiritually, or physically in close proximity to each other. Kind of like people in a discipleship home. Close proximity, wake up in the same house, eat together, pray together, study together. Even yesterday, the special discipleship that Spikes does with Philip Diaz, with some of the older men, and they're not done they're not going to stay sons. They're going to be fathers. Paul's to the Timothys that are rising up in the third wave. We see what's happening here. Also, this, it describes it. These two words combined mean this. To come closely alongside someone else, alongside someone else in order to put, place, or deposit a part of oneself into that person. See, in our church, we have what we call cross-pollinization. In other words, there may be, may be a, a young man that we have, like Xavier, for instance, I poured into him. My brother Timothy poured into him. I, you probably have Philip poured into you. So we, what we do is we start you know, coming together alongside a, a, a Timothy and say, what can we pour into this young man? And look at the result. He's a pastor today. Because he's been proven. I just didn't say, okay, your last, the, the old days, back in the old days, I got back from Amsterdam. My dad says, go to Bible college. He says, then a, a few months later, I don't even know how many months later, he says, I'm going to make an evangelist. And he gave me a license to be an evangelist. But then I earned it as I went because I went to school and I did all the work and all the things he asked me to do. But God wants to raise up more Timothys. Paul was telling Timothy that he couldn't afford to sit in despair and in loneliness over the loss and disappointment of a close relationship, but to push beyond his hurt 
Reach out and strengthen the relationships that remain. In other words, Timothy was burned at times. That's what it implies. And even Paul, Paul writes about it here kind of in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1 toward the end here. It says, all right, here it goes. Verse number, starting in verse 15, it says, This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. Hmm. Among them are, he names people, Phygelius. I can't, I don't know if I said that right. Phygelius, Hermogenes. Imagine if I started naming people that left our church. Oh, I should have wrote about them in my book. People that left me. If Paul could write about them, why can't I? But Paul's doing, he's relating with Timothy. He says, I, I've been there. I know the feeling. But you got me. And I got you, and we're going to commit these things to other men as well. Come on, clap your hands. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many of us are called, but some are chosen. The ones that are chosen are the ones that are looking up, the ones that are hungry, the ones that say, I'm willing to submit, the ones that say, I'm not going to stop moving forward. I'm not going to stop praying until I see it. I'm not going to stop fasting until I get a word. I'm not going to stop going to church until I get healed, until I get delivered, until I get on track, until I get my sense of destiny, until I get back on track to, for this new year. I want to finish strong to know I'm headed for the new year. He's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. He's called me by my name. I'm a worksmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God predestined beforehand. God has great things ahead for you. But you got to want it. you got to be hungry for it. Just like you're hungry for turkey or whatever food you made. Now we're hungry for tamales. Yesterday, my mom had a traditional thing with all the grandkids, the girls, which my daughter was a part of that. And they make tamales from scratch. They all have their aprons on and they play the Christ, uh, Christmas music, right? Christmas music. My mom's teaching them how to do the tamales and all that. From the older ones to the younger ones. She's discipling them to be a tamale maker. <laughs> oh, man. God wants you to be a disciple maker. But in order to be a disciple maker, you got to be a disciple. And you never stop being a disciple. I'm still open to those above me, to those around me, to those even outside Victory Outreach that are kind of, sometimes I talk to, that have something to impart. I listen. And whenever they have a need, I'm there for them as much as I could be. See, he, he chose new people. He wants them to choose new people. See, those that walked away, don't dwell on it. Victory group leaders, those that walked away, don't dwell on that. Dwell on the positive things that are, have been sustained throughout this year. That has passed away. If you're pouring in the correct way and they didn't receive it and they moved on, that's on them. Don't get bitter. Don't get mad. Don't be an angry leader. Don't start calling people out. Don't do that. You got to just take it, put it aside, and say, we're going to do it better as we go forward. So he says, choose new people. He implied that the group, the, the group that Timothy was disappointed in were not faithful people. He was disappointed. How many of you know that we as pastors get disappointed with certain people that are unfaithful? It hurts us because we care. Pastor Joe cares. Pastor Danny cares. All the home leaders care. We all care about the people that we touch. But then when they just walk and don't understand, and they don't understand, they got to be 
trained to walk if they're going to move on to another place. And this is the thing. Uh, not all of them are backsliders. They just move on to different things. Paul told him to commit these things to certain types of men, men that are faithful, faithful men. Secondly, who are able to teach others also. In other words, you've got to be intentional with the people you choose. I tell the guys that lead our D-homes, and Kim tells the girls, uh, the girls that lead the D-home, you got to be intentional on who you select. you got to select somebody that wants the ministry, that wants to be discipled. Not just picking them because they have a good job. They can help pay the rent. You pick them based on their calling. you got to be very particular in who you choose. And they have to have some ability to teach. Some have the gift of teaching. Some, it's a learning process. But eventually, they'll get it. You know, some people, they may have a stuttering problem, but when the anointing comes upon them, boom, the stutter goes. Some people are so frightened. It's one of the most fearful things to do in life. I think death is number one. Public speaking is number two. I don't know if it's still the same. It's not easy to get before people. People give you some looks sometimes. And then when your wife gets mad at you, forget about it. Well, she's not. She loved me to death. She said, you're going to do so good today. And I said, keep on breathing. Keep on breathing. But whenever that happened, it's way back then, the days when we had little troubles. I thought there's this preach around her, like, avoid looking at her face. <laughs> I had this real guy, you say, able to teach others also. So faithful men and women. We're able to teach others. Now, some could teach from the pulpit or from a, a podium, but others could teach by the main teaching point is by exampleship. You teach by how you live. You teach by how you model the look of Christ. You teach by showing the light of Jesus. You teach by being the salt to the earth. You teach by walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. We have some flesh people in the room today. And the flesh don't, don't stink too, it's stinky, pretty much. Like even if you let meat just sit out for too long, what happens? Magnet, bat, is it maggots? Oh, God. It starts stinking, right? You don't want to be that. You want to be boiled, cooked, grilled. I don't know where I came up with I think Danny gets me thinking like this stuff. I don't know. He loves to cook. Both Danny's, these two. They had to be strong, courageous, and intentional in passing it on. In other words, you've got to be a good spotter. My dad likes to you know, say that I'm a good spotter, and he sure is. When he sees somebody with potential, he just have to give them one look. Boom, he sees it right there. It's amazing. He has a great eye for talent. And just like a scout has great eyes for a, a up-and-coming player, a prospect. They're not fully developed, but he sees, okay, he has the qualities. She has the qualities. Thank God somebody saw Otani for the angels and said, come over here now. Come over to the dive. The guy's phenomenal. And then you, you trained with the values and the principles and biblical doctrine, and then our way of life, our philosophy of ministry. And then you begin to train, develop, inspire, and instill in them our mission statement. You begin to share with them the books that we have available. My dad's books, Sunny Treasures, 
Internalizing the Vision, amongst others. Pastor Soul's book, powerful book, uh, my book, other books that have been written, Victory Outreach. And then you got to make sure they know the promises that we have, Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, 54, 2 and 3 of Isaiah, and then Isaiah 59, 21. And when you begin to instill these things, they begin to say, okay, we have a vision, but we also have promises attached. It's one thing to have vision, but with no promises, it could fail. And I would say this, without vision, people perish. The Bible says that. But with vision, people flourish. And God wants to renew your vision for 2024. We're closing the chapter. We're closing the year strong, but we're going to enter the year stronger. And that's what I say to Victor Arch Pomona. You're closing the year not too well, but you're going to enter into the new year with more metal, strength, supernatural power, God-given power, God-given grace. And you're going to go into this new year and new doors are going to open for you. You watch. Greater things are ahead than what's behind you. We have the responsibility as disciples of Christ to uphold, guard, and transmit the truth of the gospel. You are a servant of the Most High God. You're not just working at Walmart, which is a good place to work for some people, or wherever you're working, wherever you're a clerk at, wherever you work at a gas station. All that stuff is fine to live on, but in the kingdom of God, as a worker in the house of the Lord, you got to be trained, you got to be developed, you got to be committed, and you got to be faithful. Somebody clap if you want to get some discipleship. But rest assured, you will face opposition from at least three ways. You will face opposition from unbelievers. You're going to face that. Unbelieving family members, unbelieving loved ones, unbelieving uh, co-workers or bosses. They don't understand why you're at church so much. They don't understand why you always carry your Bible. They don't understand why you're always playing sermons or listening to Christian music. You say, I'm on a, I'm on a journey with Christ. You've got to stand ground. You've got to stand strong for your faith. I remember my, my wife's brother, this is years ago, they were talking about some things they didn't agree on. It was about politics, okay? And that could get hairy with certain things that family get together. <laughs> and when she's talking one stance and he's talking the other stance, but she kept getting him. He would give her a thing and she'd go, boom, this, what about this? And then he would go another, what about that? She kept, boom, it was like a good debate, but she's winning. And I'm watching, I'm like refereeing it. I'm looking, I go, I'm not going to dare get involved because I had some good things to say too. He got so upset that he started literally turning red, tearing up. If, if there was like the cartoons, out of his ears. So heated. Then he got so mad, he went in the house, slammed the door. Came out of 10 minutes later, smoking a cigarette. Calming down. But what I think he was most upset about is she's a Christian, and he's not. She's standing for the biblical truth of the political stance that we had. And he couldn't understand it. He didn't, he's blinded to it. So we're not against him personally, but the idea that we're living in a world that's corrupt, living in a world that's perverted, living in a world that has no standards, no principles. There's, there's no, you, you, you can't even... Uh, you have to identify yourself these days, identify as a dog, identify this way, identify. Just say, I identify as a person, if, if anything. Hopefully you know what gender you are. 
So those who are unbelievers will get in your way sometimes or make, oppose you. Secondly, those who will twist the message for itchy ears. False doctrine. That's happening right now, this present day. It's happened in the, in, since the New Testament all the way to now. It's even worse now because all the Internet stuff, all the YouTube, all the stuff you can watch, you see a fancy preacher that's smooth, smooth with his tongue, smooth tongue, smooth uh, slayer in a sense. And he's smooth and he looks good and he has holes in his jeans and he's buffed and tattooed and earring, so-called cool. But the message is off. It's off. You know, I've seen, people have shown me these videos, clips, and I go, look at that. He's preaching false doctrine. But he has a following. The Bible talks about in the last days there are going to be false preachers, false doctrine. That's why we have the essentials that Danny's introduced to our church. To learn sound doctrine. So you can be solid in these last days. So don't let anyone twist the message in your life and create an opposition. And thirdly, the devil himself. He's the greatest opposer. He's a liar. He's, a liar. He's the father of all lies. He's the thief that comes to steal, kill, destroy. But Jesus says, I come that you may have life and have it more abundant. I choose Jesus. How about you? So there's a spiritual warfare that's attached when you're engaged in discipleship or you become a Timothy or you become a Paul. Expect opposition to the mission. The condition of the world today is just getting worse and worse. And I look at the Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and it's, it need, we're needing this today. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We fight against the unseen forces. You know, sometimes we look at people as, as the source but really, the enemies use uses people sometimes, and then there's you can't you know you don't understand why where it came from, and in this case too with this trial they're facing, where did it come from? We don't know yet, but all we know it's going to work together for the good. It's going to work together for the good. So we fight this fight in faith. We fight a good fight, not a bad fight. I don't know about you. Uh, to me, a good fight lasts the duration where there's some good knockdowns back and forth. You don't know who's going to win with the decisions. Like, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're anticipating. You're able to eat all your chips and your pizza. Soda's almost gone. You're anticipating the winner. And then some, some fights are great when the underdog wins. I don't know about you, but I like underdog, especially if I picked them. <laughs> we like underdogs. Many of us like Rocky. I don't know about you. Rocky one's my favorite. Probably Rocky two my second. But you know that song never gets out of your head. Xavier, come up here. Just get up where you're at. Just do your moves. You lost it. Are you like that? I'm not a boxer anymore. I'm a pastor. I don't fight against flesh and blood anymore. I fight against the spiritual darkness in heavenly places. Woo! So be strong. Say be strong. Commit these things to faithful men who are able to teach others also. 
Men with character are developing their character. With the fruit of the Spirit, we raise up solid disciples. And as a Paul, you are a model to your Timothy or Timothys. How many of Timothys are you going to have this new year? How many, how many of you are going to look for a Paul to be, hey, I want to submit to your leadership and then those that you appoint me to be under? And women, the same thing for you too. So lastly, endure hardship. Say endure. It goes on to tell us here in verse 3, endure hardship. It says, and this is what endure means. It means stamina, going the long haul. Going the long haul. I've been in ministry now over, I think, 35 years. As a pastor, 25 years, going on 26 next year. Or, yeah, next year. And, and telling you, it takes a lot of stamina. It takes a lot of endurance. It takes metal. M-E-T-T-L-E, metal, not metal like metal like that. It takes metal. Muscle, might, muscle that is beyond our own strength or common. It takes the grace of God. It takes the grace of Jesus Christ. It takes uh, his grace to be strong in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the flood, in the midst of the valley, to be strong and endure hardship. So let's read this part of the passage. Are you still with me? Come on, come on out there. Are you still with me? How about left field? Still, center field? Right field? First base? Second base? Shortstop? Third base? All right. Home plate? <laughs> I'm the pitcher. pitcher. Pitcher and preacher. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it goes on to say, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier, say good soldier, of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Hmm. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Commit these things. Then endure. Endure hardship as a good soldier. I'm sure Pastor Souls experienced some bad soldiers. Am I wrong? People go AWOL. Or they begin to lose that sense of loyalty to their country. And they want to give up. But then there's the good soldiers that stand through the battle. That stand through the, the, those different wars that they have to face. There's so many men that have given up their lives our country and we should honor even the veterans that are still with us today but I want to give you a higher level and pray for our soldiers presently too by the way Pastor Joe's son went on to be in the Navy now they're going to station him in Pearl Harbor correct Pearl Harbor in Hawaii thank God they're not sending him to the you know, heat over there in the Middle East or even Ukraine whatever other different wars we have but the point I'm trying to make to you is this so we are, you know, United States of America. But greater than that, we are kingdom of God people. And God has called us to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. This type of soldier is a spiritual soldier. 
This type of soldier doesn't fight with, with uh, guns or you know, different weapons or knives and all that stuff. It, we don't do bombings and all that. But we bomb with the Holy Spirit. We, we, we attack the enemy. We come with the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 10, 19, I've given you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies harm you. Nothing shall by enemies harm you. In other words, you have power to be a good soldier. And see, in times of war, people are drafted. I want you to know we're in a time of war, spiritual warfare. And God wants to draft some of you today or re-enlist you today. Maybe you haven't been picking up your armor. Maybe you haven't been wearing that armor faithfully. You've been laying it down and living kind of in the flesh, living without direction. Maybe you haven't had success this year in your spiritual life. I'm here to tell you this is the day you turn. This is the day you repent. This is the day I'm going to say I'm going to get back up and I'm going to repent and I'm going to go forward. I'm called to be a good soldier. What a privilege to be drafted into the kingdom of God. To be a soldier in the army of the Lord. And Paul told Timothy as well, 2 Timothy 1, 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. I'm here to remind you, man of God, woman of God, veteran Christian. It's time to fan into flame that gift that God's put in you. It's been dormant for too long. Maybe you used to use it in the 80s or the 90s or whatever that gift may be or whatever generation you come from. But God says, stir it up again. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but power and a love and a sound mind. He wants us to remember. When you, someone laid hands on you, prophesy, just like Paul did with Timothy. Remember that prophecy. Remember that you're part of a legacy. Remember that you have a spiritual heritage to pass on to your children and your children's children. You remember when he broke the curse in your life. Remember that God can still use it today as they used you in the past, but in a greater dimension. Hopefully I'm stirring somebody up in this room. You're fighters. You fight to the finish. But it takes discipline to do it. It takes discipline. I want to give you three other C's real quick. Character, capacity, and competency. Character, as we talked about already, I don't need to emphasize it too much. I already shared about that. Now, capacity has to do with how much can you handle? How many things can you do? In other words, when I was young as a pastor, my dad said, you know, you're more of a local guy. You're not a global guy. And that, I could either get mad, which I kind of did, or take it as a challenge. So I started lifting up my eyes, looking at the fields, and say, how could I be more, have the vision for, for bigger things? And how can I expand my capacity to fulfill more in what I'm called to do? And I think I've come pretty far. But competency is another thing. Competency has to do with your skill set. That's why you need to go to school, some of you. You need to go to Vethi, or now we call it VOBC, or whatever, whatever area. Some of our young people go to Life Bible College. That's where I went. But whatever, you gotta get, you got to be ready for the next step to be that soldier he's called you to be. Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, athlete. Athlete. Athletes train hard. If they want to make it to the bigs, they got to train hard. And once you get there, to remain there, you got to keep doing it that much more. They're able to also review plays. They practice a lot. They meditate, they meditate on how the win was made. They also look at why they lost, and they get better. 
the athlete wants to win. Now these days they have those little, uh, little what do you call those, tablets. And on, on the sidelines you see them looking over the plays or I think they're reviewing the play prior or they're reviewing uh, what could come next or whatever. They're, they're anticipating what's going to come next. And the same thing for us. we got to be anticipating what's next for me this new year. What's next for me? How can I get ready for the next step for myself, for my family, for my wife and me? What can I do to get better? What do I need to get trained in? See, when I played baseball earlier in my younger life in high school, I would, I would even go, me and my friend Mike Kondo, we got a membership at one of those gyms. And uh, we would go at 5 in the morning throughout the week to go condition, to do some lifting to prepare for the baseball season. It wasn't baseball season yet. But in the fall, we were training. Or in the winter, we were training. Then when spring approached, we were ready. Then in practices, I would stay after. They would tell us to run some laps. All the pitchers especially run a lot more. And then after they were done, I kept going. Kept going. Because I wanted to be better. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a major leaguer. So I, I went the extra mile. Now in the things of God... Many times I go the extra mile because I want to be better. I want to be better for you. I want to be better for my family. I want to be better for the movement. I want to be a better disciple of my father. I want to be that Timothy unto him and be a servant of his. I want to be that Joshua to my Moses. And I want you to know that I'm a Paul to you. And so there's other Pauls here in this room too. that need You come under their wing and watch God raise, them, raise you up. Gonna get ready to close, so get ready to come up. I have another scripture, but you probably know it already. First Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27. It talks about run in such a way that you may, may obtain it. In other words, the prize. You gotta run, run with endurance. Run like Forrest Gump. Just keep running, running, don't stop. Anyone saw that movie? All right, some people didn't. I guess it dates me. I don't know. Tom Hanks. Look it up. Forrest Gump. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fought. I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. Say discipline. And bring it into subject, subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And he uses the last illustration, is a farmer. Now, I've never been a farmer. My wife, the most of she's ever farmed is flowers, you know, and planting seeds for her garden. So she gave me a few points here on what that means. See, the hardworking farmer goes to work expecting the harvest. He knows when to break hardened ground, till it, and sow seed. He waters it, and he waits. He watches and waits diligently for the harvest to come. He knows it's coming. So as a hardworking farmer, there is a lot of intensive labor and care involved. Let me give you three things real quick. Number one, in preparing the ground, make sure it has the right nutrients and conditions for the seed to develop. You can't plant a seed in the sand. I don't think so, right? It won't grow by the beach. I don't think so. But that's not the right ground. Secondly, planting, and that's to do with 
building your, your house upon the sand or upon the rock. Ooh, I just transitioned. You, you get that? All right. Secondly, planting the seed usually in rows. Okay. If you notice, if you drive down the five freeway, you see all these different plantations and you see all these different, uh, what do they call them? Vineyards. There you go. Vineyards. They're all lined up, lined up. Thirdly, watering and caring for the seed even when you don't see the immediate results. You keep on watering, keep on caring, keep on tending to that, that branch, or, or not branch. Plant, there you go, plant, garden. See, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a farmer. I relate to the athlete, I relate to the soldier, but the farmer, not so much. Jesus did the parable, right? And he talks about in Matthew 13, and you can read it later, but the part I want to emphasize is he says some plant here, and they plant, and the ones that receive it, it's not where they, how they receive it. In other words, as a Timothy, how do you receive those seeds? Even today, as a Paul, planting seed in you right now, spiritual seed. And, and it talks about in verse 21 here of Matthew 13, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Okay? Because the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred. 60 or 30 times what was sown. That's what I want. That last verse. I want to be that good soil. I want to reap a harvest. I want you to reap a harvest. I want you to be that good soil. I want you to be tenderhearted. I want you to be open. Even now being open to even making an altar call in a moment. To say, God, soften my heart. I don't want to be hard-hearted going into this new year. I don't want to take the baggage from this year into the new year. I want to leave it at the altar. I want to leave this junk at the altar. No more looking back, forgetting the seeds which are behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the mark of the call of God in Christ Jesus. Stand to your feet right now. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. We're finishing strong. Say, I am finishing strong and I am entering in even stronger now lift your hands go ahead lift your hands right where you're at let the Holy Spirit move in this place hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus we want your perfect will Lord we want your perfect will for our lives no more living a permissive will no more living a a life that's up and down with more defeats and victories God, give us clarity, clarity of mind, clarity, God, of vision. Clear our eyes up, God. Remind us of the promises that you have for us. Oh, God, we know it's going to take sacrifice, hard work, commitment, diligence. But we've been called to be an army, a soldier in the army of the Lord. An athlete that runs with endurance and runs to win. A farmer that plants good seed and good soil 
and receives good seed in our good soil to produce a harvest in our personal lives, in our family, in our workplace, in our business, in our ministry, in everything we do, that we would be productive going into this new year. Open up brand new doors. Open up doors that man cannot shut. Open up doors for Victor Hours Pomona. Bigger doors, better doors, bigger deals, better deals. Oh, we give you praise. If you want to come to the altar, I don't care if you're a pastor, a leader, a pastor's wife, or a new person, or anyone in between. Come and make a new commitment today. End the year strong with me. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray these messages build, encourage, and strengthen you in your faith. If you would like to partner with us, the Mother Church is a great place to sow a seed. So head on over to our website at viochino.org and click the giving link located at the top of the page. Also, we would love to hear from you. So leave us a praise report, prayer request, or if you've given your life to the Lord, let us know by filling out the salvation card. We would love to connect with you and help you get started on your journey of serving God here at Victory Outreach Chino. 